Alex Marlowe, Editor-in-Chief of Breitbart News, and this is the Breitbart News Daily Podcast. And on today's show, we begin with a breakdown of Lori Lightfoot losing in the Chicago mayoral primary. She got third place, which means she's out. Uh, it's a terrific thing that she's out, but does it mean anything? Will this change anything for Chicago? I'm negative on that, but I'm happy at least there was some level of accountability, which is so rare. Uh, we get into, of course, a lot of other content in the opening of the show, but that's the big one, and uh, so that's all tease for now. Our guest today is really terrific, Chaya Rychik, who is uh, the founder and runs the Libs of TikTok Twitter account, which is one of the most productive accounts on social media in terms of doing actual journalism, and she does journalism the best way. She doesn't really editorialize, but it's very clear where she comes from just based on the type of content she highlights, and it is horrible wokeness that takes place place on social media platforms, a lot of grooming, etc. And she's just done an incredible job of the last couple of years documenting this stuff. And she's got a children's book out, which we talk about. So we get into her story and then into the book itself. Uh, one thing that does not come up uh, on the show, but I do want to mention that it has been 11 years since Andrew Breitbart passed away as of today, uh, March the 1st. It's always a day that is circled on our, on our calendar, Breitbart News. And there is some wonderful tributes to Andrew on the front page of Breitbart.com right now. So if you go over to Breitbart.com, you can find all of these wonderful tributes that people said and sent in to uh, commemorate Andrew's life uh, on the 10-year anniversary of his passing. Uh, just amazing stuff. It's a, a music and humor and stories and all of these people who were inspired by Andrew, uh, myself included. It, it is just a legend whose legend grows, and I, I owe everything to Andrew, and um, I think uh, he's touched a lot of your lives, too. So uh, go over to Breitbart.com. You can check out the Andrew Breitbart tribute. So I definitely want to put a nice plug for that. Let's get into the monologue. Big news to start the show. Lori Lightfoot is gone. The Chicago mayor has lost a re-election bid. This does not happen in Chicago. It's one-party town. Um, so it is. Uh, she did not get enough votes to advance in a, a runoff on Tuesday, which means that she will not get a second term in Chicago. This does not happen. It hasn't happened since I've been alive. Uh, that was the last time. Uh, was just prior to when I was born. was the last time that Chicago ousted a mayor. And I'm very heartened by this because it does feel like in this country, as we get more tribal, that wherever there are one-party towns, it means there is no accountability. Um, I was out over the weekend in Los Angeles where my family's from, and um, it was raining again. It was actually snowing. And I was thinking about how California has a perpetual drought. Like the whole time I was there, it was in drought and it's a drought. Like almost every year there's a drought that goes on. And then this year has been incredibly rainy and billions and billions of gallons of water just running off in the ocean and not being captured because California would rather focus on, you know, green stuff and, um, uh, the, the reparations and whatever woke thing is on their mind uh, and not w what they should be doing, which is making sure that if they get lucky enough to get some rain, even though the state is largely desert, that they're able to capture it and be able to 
you know, keep it for the drought. Um, but they can't do that. Like they're, they're, and, and there's no accountability. It'll, it, no one will ever be held accountable. If Newsom runs again, he'll get a hundred percent of the vote, maybe 101%. And, um, you know, the, 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 the list goes on. So it's very, it's very heartening when occasionally people say it's just too much. And I was looking at the headlines we've had recently at Breitbart News about Chicago, and they're just horrifying. They're horrifying. Um, I'm going to give you a few from last week or so. Report, 55 Chicago public schools have zero students proficient in math and reading. Let me read that again. 55 Chicago public schools have zero students proficient in math and reading. I can move on, right? I can talk about something else in the news. Because if this headline is real, and it's Breitbart News, we know it is real, then she can't win. She's not allowed to be mayor again. You can't be in charge of a city where 55 public schools don't have a single student proficient in math and reading and get reelected, right? I mean, are, are we an exceptional country or not? Are we, are we an exceptional country or not? That's the question. If you're even thinking about it, this headline is not acceptable. Illinois officials plan to house nearly 700 migrants in closed Chicago Kmart. Same question applies. Are we an exceptional country or are we not? If we're an exceptional country, we don't house 700 migrants in a Kmart. So, do you think the list goes on? Of course it does. Report, Chicago suspect accused of robbing man of fried chicken and debit card at gunpoint. Puts a gun to a guy so he can take his fried chicken. It is, I love fried chicken. It's delicious. I was hanging out with my father a couple weekends ago. We were uh, on a, at a work function. We were near a fried chicken place. I brought him to it. He says, I don't really love fried chicken. I said, watch this. And he loved the fried chicken. It was a great bonding experience. Fried chicken special brings people together. But it also can drive people apart if you're putting a gun in someone's face to take their fried chicken. Chicago's O'Hare Airport suffers dystopian nightmare with growing homeless encampments. It's a, the fact that people are camping out in the airport, one of the biggest airports in the world, I think, certainly in the country, a huge hub. It's got to be one of the biggest, because I know that I flew to Hong Kong out of there on a direct flight, so it's got to be a huge airport. Um, I've done spent a ton of time there. Been there, you know, three or four times over my life. The, the footage that goes along with that headline is surreal. If you feel like tracking it down at Breitbart News, people just sleeping in the middle of the floor. Um, people in mylar blankets sleeping in the tr- in the um, tram. They've got. <laughs> I, I mean, it, it's mildly amusing. People getting in the tram at O'Hare and sleeping there. Is she doing anything right? Maybe if you really like drag. Drag shows for LGBT-affirming youth groups um, are there. They're present. Group of Chicago-based drag performers called Kiki Queens using drag performances to fundraise for an organization that hosts LGBT-affirming youth groups for children in the seventh grade, even teaching minors how to perform in drag. So if you're into the Kiki Queens, if you've got them bookmarked online, 
Um, if while you're winding down the end of a hard day, you, you're on YouTube checking out the Kiki Queens, then you might vote for Lightfoot again. They've got some great songs. Tipsy Bubbles, Sassy Betch, Venus Envy, Izzy Contagious. That's a good one. I mean, it's clever. You got to admit that stuff is good. It's good stuff. The Kiki Queens are not, are, are n- nothing to turn your nose up at. And Chicago based. And I, I'm sure the city is very proud. I did get a mild, dark sense of humor out of the fact that um, R. Kelly um, the had some sex abuse charges dropped at the request of Kim Fox. Kim Fox was the person who let Juicy Smoulier off the hook. She is the um, uh, she is the Cook County State's Attorney, which is where Chicago is. I'll read this from the Associated Press. You know it's good. A judge dismissed sex abuse charges against R&B singer R. Kelly on Tuesday based on recommendation of a Chicago prosecutor. A hearing lasted just minutes, came a day after Cook County State's Attorney Kim Fox said she was comfortable dropping the case because Kelly will spend decades in prison for a separate conviction. That's good. But the point is, is that not that uh, you have sympathy for a guy who's already been convicted of sex crimes. It's also noteworthy that R. Kelly shows up at the courtroom and he's got... Um, great shades on every time. I always find that uh, to be amusing. Like he's literally up against sexual violence charges against minors and he uh, manages to get some sweet shades on. Uh, I I do think there's a lot of dark humor in this world if you care to find it. Chicago gang intervention workers have been accused of selling firearms to an undercover cop. So, doing their community service, trying to rehab, and raising awareness about gangs, gang violence, telling kids to stay in school, stay off drugs, but then they're moonlighting, selling you know illegal arms, even to cops. City is broken. It's broken. Southside residents are outraged. The city spends millions housing border crossers in abandoned school. So they got the border crossers in the Kmart. They got the homeless in the airport. They get the border crossers in the school. All right, I'll, I'll stop. But you can just check out my reporting. I haven't even brought up how many people are shot every weekend. It's over a dozen every single weekend. We track it every weekend at Brightport News. It, it, here's the issue. Lori Lightfoot is out. That's great. But it is just the beginning. It is a single-party town. It is a single-party state. She will be replaced by someone very bad. And when will people who are in Democrat areas demand more from their leadership? They're not going to because they're not taught that they should demand more, that they deserve more, that this country has been the home has been the launch pad, has been the incubator for truly great people with incredible leadership, ability, vision, integrity, honor. Instead, we're the home of this stuff, the half a dozen headlines I just read to you. So um, she um, claims she was treated unfairly 
because she's a black woman. Crime is up 52% this year in Chicago. Crime is up in general in the country at an insane level and up a ridiculously high level if you include the border, which has seen a record influx over the last year, edging out a record from the previous year. And uh, still, it's really racism. It's really that the problem is in this Democrat town of a lot of black people that because she lost, because she's black. Notice how she doesn't note that it's because she's an LGBTQ plus IA, two spirit, three spirit, four spirit, five spirit, six spirit, seven spirit, eight spirit individual. That's not the issue. The issue is just merely the, the race. Okay. I think it might be the murders and it might be the unusable schools and it might be the illegal immigration. Just my guess. So Paul Vallis and Brandon Johnson lead the race, and they'll move to the runoff, which is select, which is scheduled for April the 4th. Um, we'll try to get to know those people at Breitbart News. Um, I did not get hip to the fact that um, this was happening until the last couple of days. So I don't, I don't know about these guys a lot, but I, I'm guessing they'll govern in a similar fashion maybe marginally better in some ways and then you'll learn I think pretty quick that these guys will uh, improve in some ways but not a lot because of the institutions it is a machine town the machine of politics I will note that Brandon Johnson not a Caucasian so for Lightfoot who is complaining about um, uh, who who is complaining about um Racism. One of the per, per, one of the people's one of the people's who beat her is a uh, POC person of color. So theft has spiked this year in Chicago. Murder is down slightly, but there's been 57 already. It's a lot. If they were all at once and a white guy had done it at a school, then we would act like it was the biggest scandal in the history of the world. But, you know, we're two months into the year, 57 murders in Chicago, and Lightfoot thinks that that's a, a good enough number for her to be able to claim that it's actually racist while she was ousted. Criminal sexual assault is spiking in the city. Robbery is spiking in the city, and crime overall is up about 50% year-to-year comparison. So this is data compiled by the Chicago Police Department that was made readily available for me this morning for the broadcast. So I appreciate. Um, I'm happy about it. Very happy. I'm angry that she was ever mayor. I'm angry that she is was ever in public life at all. Got this high, and I'm angry that I'm not convinced for sure that things will get better. But I'm happy overall this happened. So a lead story by Bert News. If you want some more, uh, let's cover some more news. Um, you know I'm. Starting to find myself gravitating towards bringing up 2024 election polls, you guys. I, I don't, I, it's the, I'm mixed on doing it because I don't trust any of them. But I feel like it is, it's hot. It's hot news. And sometimes what I trust is not, it's, but part of sometimes I lean on the fact that it's Breitbart News Daily. Sometimes I want to make sure that I'm only talking about the stuff that I really believe in or care about, et cetera. Um, but the polls are all over the place and I don't make sense of them. And it's becoming an interesting conversation where you're shaking out at this early stage in a potential primary. Um, there's one poll that we're looking at morning consult, typically pretty good. Trump is way ahead, double digit lead over anyone. Um, only a quarter of Democrats 
are supporting Joe Biden if a lot of people run, according to a McLaughlin poll. Now, there's another one where I don't know if I care about that one because if Biden runs, I think people will stand down. I think um, part of the narrative for Democrats in general is that Joe Biden has done a good job. Um, and from our vantage point, Joe Biden has been maybe the worst president ever, and I will elucidate that point as time goes on. We'll spend too much time this morning. But I'm pretty convinced he's been one of the worst presidents in the history of the country, if not the worst in the last you know 100-odd years. And uh, But part of that is because he's actually passed a lot of stuff. And he has implemented a huge portion of his agenda. So it's not that he couldn't get stuff done, it's that he has gotten stuff done. So the Democrats' narrative, if they want to win in 2024 uh, without cheating, then their narrative has to be that actually things are pretty good. Joe Biden's done a good job. Joe Biden's gotten it done. He's gotten stuff done. So if they challenge him and they do a primary, then they're setting themselves up to lose and they generally think collectively. Um, and Joe Biden's paid a lot of dues. So if um, people think there's going to be a lot of open-mindedness for someone to come in and take him out, th- that person's got to be good. I think that Kamala Harris obviously is not going to be that person, but a judge is not going to be that person. But a judge too young and done too bad of a job. So I don't know who it would be. Um, it's got to be a popular, probably populist as well, outsider, and I can't think of any names. Um, and I don't know. I don't know if Newsom's narrative is good enough. I don't. Out in California, so uh, it's a. I don't know how they do it. I don't know how they do it. So that's why I'm saying about these polls that if only a quarter of Democrats want Biden to run, I I don't know if it makes a difference. Once he declares he's running, I think that everyone gets the picture that if they want to win again, they got to let him do it. So Donald Trump has the majority of support in one poll, Emerson College, which is stunning because we're starting to get a handful of people who were anticipating going to run Nikki Haley's in. Vivek Ramaswamy's in. Um, looks like Tim Scott's going to be in. Looks like DeSantis is going to be in. Don't know for sure. Pence, Pompeo look very, very likely. Sununu looks likely. And then you've got you know Liz Cheney, John Bolton's stuff like that. And still, Trump has you know more support than he would have had at this point in 2016. So. Um, I, I, I don't know what these primaries are going to look like. I'm afraid of this because generally primaries are some of the most fun political moments because then you get some nuance, unlike what you get in Chicago, where you get everyone basically has the same viewpoints. All of them are terrible. And uh, But in a primary, you get the variety. You get you, everyone is diverse viewpoints. You get the nuance. You get the differentiation between individual to individual, what they want to do. And there is a, a regression to the mean of any politician. The mean of whatever the party's viewpoint is always happens. It's more pronounced to some people than others. But you will, at least in the primaries, at least hear some ideas for people who you know read the news every day. As many of you do, I imagine, if you're tuning into shows like this before 7 a.m. on the East Coast then uh, you will get that sort of, uh, 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 you get a little refresh versus just machine party politics. 
So I like primaries, and I don't know if we're going to get a good one still on either side. All right, 866-95-PATRIOT. If you would like to be a part of the show, I will bring up a few other stories before we start taking your calls. A Republican congressman, Bob Good, who's pretty popular, I think, uh, among the conservative base, has introduced a bill to end uh, FBI and ATF no-knock raids on gun owners. It's remarkable to think about how the FBI, how quickly their reputation has declined, really since Hillary Clinton and the scandals where they protected her. Christopher Wray is in just a horrific job maintaining the brand of the agency. He's out there yesterday trying to act like he was one of the good guys in the COVID lab, the um, Wuhan lab. Um, you know, there have been arrests of, pro-life, of the pro-life activist, Mark Houck, which we brought up on the show, I think a week or so ago. Uh, the FBI flagging Twitter accounts. It just the list goes on about the waste of your time the FBI has been going under, going on uh, over there, ever since the Peter Strzok days, targeting the smelly Walmart people instead of targeting the actual bad guys. So uh, it, it is. It's just amazing to think that we would try to hamstring the FBI, and I'd be happy about it. But that's exactly what's happening. Um, I'm also curious if you have any developing thoughts on the Wuhan lab theory We're we're talking, you know, three years after it had been put forward or close to three years, you know, two and a half, at least definitely at least two where the Tom Cotton's and Mike Pompeo's of the world put out there. They were pretty convinced despite what the fake news media was saying, that it was coming from that lab. Um, I'm, I'm wondering if anyone's minds changed, if you spoke to any family members, if you heard anyone else on any of your broadcasts who dismissed the idea of the things you like to listen to throughout the day. Has anyone pointed out that, hey, this is a big deal. The media really botched this one. They were censoring people online. They were cutting off their livelihood. They were altering algorithms and big tech to make sure that we don't talk about the fact that perhaps that this pandemic didn't just spontaneously get created because the turtle and the pangolin had sexual relations that ended up in the same soup. That was undercooked, of course. But that isn't what caused all the stuff where you weren't allowed to leave your home unless you had a bunch of jabs and masks. Like we didn't, we didn't get from the turtle, the turtle and the pangolin to the stay in your house um, on a straight line. Maybe there was some foul play involved from that lap. Is any mea couple is happening? Is anyone reaching out to the Tom Cottons of the world and saying, great job, we got it wrong? One person, one individual of the billions on the planet. It's worth emphasizing. It's very obvious for this audience. I'm not acting like it's some sort of brilliant point, but it's the it's one that we have to make over and over again because I think that for us to be at our best in America, we need to have a higher level of trust. We need to be able to rely on one another. We need to be able to rely on our institutions. And I've always been a counterculture guy. It's from the the from the. I don't know, not from the day I got out of the womb, I was going to say that, but at least since high school. I mean, I've, in my entire life as an adult, I've been counterculture. 
I want to question everything. I don't buy into the authorities. I don't buy the people who get authority or have earned it. I think that's healthy. I think it's very American. But ultimately, if we're going to move forward, if we're going to progress in our personal lives and as a society, then we need to restore at least a modicum of faith in these institutions. But when the entirety of our government, our news media tell us something is a conspiracy theory, and the only conspiracy is them, them saying that we are out of line for raising questions about the conventional narrative because St. Anthony Fauci said that it's one thing. And to question Fauci is to go against God himself. Uh, the amount of tongue-in-cheek I'm being right now is, is 4%. It's almost totally literal what I'm saying. That was how we were treated for a solid year and a half, two years. Before people started feeling, eh, maybe, maybe it's a laugh. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe it's a lap. Maybe, maybe. So many hoaxes going on. Uh, what, another one is electric vehicles, which have been a uh, logistical nightmare. Uh, someone was, you know, a lot of cities, maybe all of them, they're just hard to find sometimes. They broadcast their police band. It's one of these things, I don't know if I totally get it, but it's a benefit sometimes. Um, how, you know, 911 calls come out and people are able to listen to people's 911 calls a week later or you can, and it's very embarrassing like when a celebrity calls in, like listen to this celebrity say that their, their daughter cut their finger and they're crying and they're like, need the ambulance to come or whatever. Like it's, it, that's, that's horrible stuff, but it's the, uh, the, the, the police bands are interesting. I, and someone highlighted one to me recently where they were checking in on a car that had broken down the side of the road. And um, they were going back and forth on the police radio to see what was going on. And one cop said to the other that the car, uh, they'd run out of, the, their electric vehicle ran out of batteries. And um, the person on the other line, totally deadpan, goes, I'm going to go get a gallon of electricity and I'll be right over. Isn't that pretty good? Gallon of electricity. Nice. It's not real. They don't exist. ABC News has admitted that electric vehicles are a logistical nightmare. I said, what do you do if you want to charge? Are there mobile chargers that are really easy to get? Do we all have them? Are they inexpensive? How long does it take if you really run out of battery? Uh, there's such a fraction of charging stations. This country runs the gas stations. And typically at these charging stations, they've got too many chargers. There's a number in the areas I tend to haunt because I tend to live, you know, closer towards uh, liberal metropolitan areas. Uh, currently now, thank God, I'm in a slightly majority conservative area. But it's the, you know, most of my time over my life has been spent in sort of liberal metropolitan areas. And they've got a lot of these stations and they're almost always empty. I actually live relatively close to one of the few supercharger stations, which are the best. And there's few of these in the world, just a handful of them. And that will charge your car in 30 to 45 minutes or so. And that's the best you can do. That's the best you can do, 30, 45 minutes. I'm not saying we're not going to get better at this stuff, but we're not there. We're not ready for it. Um, I, I've ordered a car, and I ordered it in September, but I'm getting excited about it because I've been told they're actually building it, I think, next week, which is pretty exciting. Um, and it's going to be the biggest car on the road. And I think it gets like 14 to 18 miles a gallon. And I don't care. I'm going to work a little harder 
so I can afford Joe Biden's gas prices. I will do what it takes. I want the biggest gas guzzler on the road. I'm going to be king of the road when this car shows up. And everyone's going to look at me and they're going to say, it's, it's going to be like one of those old-timey scenes in a movie. People are going to see me drive down the block and they're going to say, that's old man Marlowe over there. That guy, he's got what it takes. And they're going to see me rolling down the block in my gigantic vehicle. American-made, might I suggest. Um, we're not ready. The electric vehicle stuff, not even close. And we're going to try to, if Joe Biden has his way, if Gavin Newsom has his way, if, Laura, if uh, Kathy Hochul has her way, I was going to say Lori Lightfoot, but she's, she's not going to have her way. She's going to have to move on. But if all those people have their way, then we're going to have, it's not going to be an option for us to have the combustion engine. One of the great American innovations that has ever befell the planet. And I'm just going to phase it out. And even the establishment media acknowledging the logistics. Um, here is a, a paragraph that uh, John Nolte highlighted for us at Breitbart. And he wrote this up. YouTube personality Steve Hames leased a Hyundai Kona electric sport utility vehicle for his 17-year-old daughter, Maddie, for three reasons. It was affordable, practical, and allowed Maddie to put her cash toward college, not fuel. Now the upstate New York resident has a dilemma many EV owners can relate to, finding available charging stations far away from home. We're going through the planning process of how easily Maddie can get from her Albany to Gettysburg College and where she can charge the car. Hames told ABC News, it makes me a little nervous. We want fast chargers that take 30 to 40 minutes. It would not make sense to sit at a level two charger for hours. There isn't a good software tool that helps EV owners plan their trips. You can't even get an app to figure out how you can efficiently charge your car when you're on a road trip. But we are countdown 12 years to go until you can't get a new combustion engine in certain states. All right, we'll roll through a few more headlines. We'll get to the phones. An investigation has revealed that Americans have been charged $66 million to help illegal aliens fight deportation. John Binder has written this up. Um, a group that is backed by George Soros helping illegal aliens fight deportations in the U.S. Uh, according to a study conducted by the Immigration Reform Law Institute revealed that taxpayers are actually funding this group. They've managed to get donations. They've managed to get money from city officials and they're able to just pad their bank account as much as possible to help people who shouldn't be here defend themselves legally. The White House has reported that workplace abuse of teen workers is still better than Trump's border policy. I, I'm becoming obsessed with this topic. I've done some part of one of my major research projects. I'm a small part, but a part that came up was how appalling it is that we import essentially slave laborers, laborers, basically indentured servants. And they work these brutal jobs, a lot of them overnight, all for minimum wage, slave-like conditions. And illegal immigrants are working them, they're working under the table. And some big business Americans are paying for them, highly immoral. But the workers are readily available and they want to work they're ready to work and they will have a subsistence living they will send money back to their families it appears as though some people in the establishment and liberal media etc are starting to understand that this is an issue it's even gotten some new york times attention 
on the White House is basically defending it because uh, is uh, Neil Monroe, who covers the stuff for us at Breitbart News, point out uh, the Joe Biden encourages border crossing and immigration at every point. There is nothing in his slate of issues where he does not encourage immigration into the country. Every one of his policies encourages more people to come here, which, of course, drives down wages. And it leads to stuff like this because it's impossible to have full oversight when you already have the open border. Do you guys remember when they actually had air marshals down there at the border? And we looked into it at Breitbart and what was their job? And it was literally walking people from one facility to another. And then, of course, there are more incidents on airplanes because the air marshals weren't on airplanes. They were down the border doing God knows what. Um, Zach, I have not seen my cut sheet. Do we have the Joe Biden white boy clip? Do we have it? Because I want to play it if we do. I'm guessing we don't have it. Uh, Joe Biden has been slammed because he was talking about being a white boy. He does this stuff all the time. Um, we should just have the full corn pop clip. People get fixated with the corn pop part of the clip at the Delaware swimming pool. And sometimes they like the, uh, I got the airy legs and I love the kids jump in my lap parts of the speech, but it's like 15 minutes and there's some surreal stuff in it. Uh, and one thing he talked about is he talked about how all these black people didn't know any white people and how he was a honky and how black children are roaches. There's just tons of racist stuff in it. Tons. And, oh, we got the clip. Yes. All right, play it. I, I, I may be a white boy, but I'm not stupid. <laughs> I know where the power is. I know where the power You think I'm joking. I learned a long time ago about the. Yeah, it's good. It's a, it's a, everyone laughs at him. It's it's interesting that he, a lot of his humor is based on racial stuff. Um, and he's so old. I mean, he's at least a hundred, two hundred, three hundred years old. I mean, is he is he two hundred? I, I lose track of how old he is. He's skeletal. Um, it's a this might have passed for humor at some point. And I, I'm all for jokes. It's a, even if a, if a joke is twice as funny as it is racist, I'm all in on it. But how does he get people to laugh at that? It's not funny. It's not all funny. But um, he's been slammed as the most racist president since Lyndon Baines Johnson, who was a, a well-known racist. But all of his policies are on the uh, right side of the woke issues. So we are at the end of uh, Black History Month, and that's how Joe Biden celebrated I'm, I'm, I may be a white boy, but I ain't stupid. The implication being the whites are stupid. What a moment. What a moment. And the fact that that's not a bigger headline, the fact that it comes up for me, you know, 50 minutes into the show and it's not going to come up on establishment news. It just shows you how numb we've gotten. The president of the United States made fun of himself being white. Uh, consumer confidence has unexpectedly fell in this country. Hope is crashing. Home prices have fallen for the sixth straight month, which is very frightening. Um, I'm sure I'm. Uh, you've got to think that the key, the core demographic here listening to, you know, conservative satellite radio has got to be in the same camp that I'm in, where I would say most of my net worth is tied up in my house. I mean, that is my major asset. Um, you know, I I don't think if I cobble together the other stuff I've got going adds up to the house, and home prices are falling. And I was looking at. 
when I saw this headline, I looked at my house and kind of what it's worth on the various projection websites, you know, Zillow and Redfin and all that stuff. And there's like four different rating services and it's ticking up a little bit in three of them, but one of them has the house, um, I would say six, 8% less value than it was when I bought it. I mean, you know, how frightening that is because part of the reason why all of us overpay in our mortgages and we get boned on um, a mortgage interest is because it's supposed to be appreciating asset. We're making that bet. It's part of the contract that we have with America is that uh, no matter what, our home price is going to go up. Apparently not in Joe Biden's America. Meanwhile, migrants are walking through the open borders via loopholes, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Chaya Raichik is on. She runs Libs of TikTok, which is probably very familiar to this audience documents uh, left-wing groomers, et cetera, online and uh, expose them to the world. Uh, This makes her one of the most hated people on the right, and all she does is hold up a mirror to the left. And uh, she's got a kid's book out as well that we get into. I think it's a pretty great premise for the book. Let's hear from Chaya. Uh, Chaya, great to meet you. Hi, Alex. Great to be here. It is really a pleasure to speak with you, and I want to talk about the book, but I want to give, uh, I, I want people to get a little bit of your background. Um, your your story is amazing. Um, you started posting videos of crazy left-wingers on social media. This made you the worst person in the world in the eyes of the left, and they outed you, and they tried to embarrass you and publicly humiliate you, and uh, it seems like you've never been more popular or powerful, so congrats on all that. Uh, it must be a wild ride. Uh, can you tell me about how you sort of got into the embarrassing leftists and informing the public business? Yeah, so it's, it really started during COVID when the world was turned upside down. Um, I, I just stumbled on TikTok and then I started uh, posting these very entertaining COVID scene TikToks to Twitter, um, which people really liked. And, you know, they started getting shared a lot. Um, and then, I started, you know, noticing this whole other side of TikTok, which was, you know, activist teachers and groomers and activists and other institutions. Mm. Um, And the whole, the general theme was that, you know, they're targeting children to sexualize them, confuse them about their identity. And that really became my mission to expose that and to protect children. Yeah, I think that's the right, that's the right take is that the, it, it becomes unacceptable when you start sexualizing the children is not that we're I have a wide libertarian streak uh, and I, I grew up in LA and you know Andrew Breitbart was my mentor and it's it's the I'm not uh, to each his own until you start involving the kids and once you start involving the kids and you're sexualizing them then people have to do something and all you did was post their videos and this made you a terrible person I was told by some people on the left uh, were you surprised by that that people reacted so strongly on the uh, left in a negative sense to what you were doing yeah I mean I think it's very telling because what I'm basically doing is just showing them in their own words I, I pull videos from TikTok I pull uh, screenshots and videos from YouTube from from websites and I just posted and I informed the public of, of what the far left is doing to sexualize kids. And 
the last, you know, I became public enemy number one because of that. Um, so I think it's very telling that they don't want anyone outside of their little bubble to see their own views because the reality is that their views don't stand up to scrutiny. So are you, how many people are on your team? I mean, I, don't, I know you don't want to give away the whole secret sauce, but it's the, could you tell me a little bit about your process or at least what you're willing to convey the public? Because it's so fascinating because it feels like you must be so prolific. You must have a whole skyscraper filled with people looking for this stuff, but I'm guessing that's not what it is. Well, I'll just say that it's a very, very small team, smaller than, than you probably think. Um, but it's, I don't think it's a matter of how, how many employees you have or how big your operation is. Like the bottom line is uh, that it, it, the content really is the bottom line, that we're getting the content out there, that we're educating people, and that we're raising awareness about the, some of these issues. Do you have a stated goal? Is there an objective where you feel like if you achieve it, then you can move on with your life and um, you know focus on, on more children's books and move on? Yes. I mean, I always say that the, the, fast, the left wants to be silenced and censored so badly. And, and here's my, my response to that. The fastest way to silence me is to stop giving me material. So yes. as soon as there are no more drag shows for children, as soon as the pornography is removed from every single school, as soon as all of these activist teachers who are sexualizing kids are fired, as soon as uh, DEI is eradicated, as soon as all of these things are gone, then I'll have nothing left to do, and I'll, I'll close up my account, and I'll go move on with my life. I don't expect that to happen anytime soon, but I, I wish it would. When did it happen where we went from people are allowed to live their own lives, and so long as you're adults or you're consenting adults and you can behave how however you want to men with beards dressing like four-year-old girls and then, you know, acting like that's, that's so great. It's not even that men dress. I'm not even talking about the Caitlyn Jenner stuff. I'm talking about men who are, you know, dress in pink tutus and stuff and showing up at Disneyland. Uh, like I witnessed personally a couple of weeks ago. Well, when did that happen? Is, is this a new thing or did we just notice it when you started posting stuff on Twitter? I think it started happening over the past, I would say, like eight years, uh, possibly even a decade. I've done research into the drag phenomenon for kids, and the earliest one I've seen was like, was like 2014. Um, so mm-hmm. it did. It's it, it it starts with like a trickle. You know, they see what they can get away with, and yes, then they slowly right. push the line more. You know, they push over to the window. Um, but I think the general public being made aware of how bad the situation was with the sexualization of children in this country, that probably only really started happening over the last two years. And I'm really humbled that I was able to have such a big part in that. Yeah. And that's that's the best type of journalism. And you, you're just showing what it is. This is what's going on. And it's you show that the it's not just the individuals who are not. It's the grooming and a lot of the best content that you have. It shows people saying, this is normal, this is acceptable, we're okay with this behavior. And that is, uh, it's recruiting. They really are recruiting people, some of the people in the, on the hard left, to their side uh, with this really extreme fetish uh, type behavior. And the people they're recruiting are, are minors. Yeah, exactly. And and that's really part of, of why I wrote the kids book is because um, you know, up until very recently, a couple of years ago, I, I feel like every single American was in agreement that the kids are off limits, right? right. We, we protect children. We don't do anything to harm them. And all of a sudden now it's become like a left versus right issue. 
So my book really is not supposed to be political. It's something that every single American agreed, agreed with up until very recently. My book teaches children that if there's a trusted adult who tells the kid, let's keep a secret from your parent, let's circumvent the parent, let's cut out the parent, um, then that's predatory behavior. It's a huge red flag, and the kids should be able to spot that and be able to have that open line of communication to be able to go to their parents and tell them what's going on. And it's, it's sad that's become a part a, a partisan issue because it's really not. All right. So let's talk about the book, No More Secrets, The Candy Cavern. Okay. So tell me about Rose the Lamb. Who, who is she and what's she going through in the second grade? So she's going to school to learn. Um, like most schools are, are supposed to do, they're supposed to just educate children about reading, writing, math, and history and science. Um, and so she goes, but instead of learning, her teacher is, is more interested in just giving the kids candy and cake all day long. And she feels very uncomfortable with that because her parents told her, you know, you shouldn't eat too much candy at once if you get a stomach ache. Um, and, and, her, and her teacher kept saying, oh, don't worry about your parents. Um, don't worry, you're safe in my classroom. I won't tell them. It will be our little secret. And then in the end, I'm not going to give the whole thing away, but there's a reason why this teacher, who was actually a predator, was telling her not to tell her parents because he had uh, an evil plan all along. Um, But thankfully, she did end up opening up to her parents, and they were able to save her from the bad situation in the end. So it's really a message for children and parents. It's, It's the goal of it. It's to give parents and children a tool to be able to to spot that predatory behavior. So. And so before we even get into that, the, the bad situation that a, ch- a child can find themselves in, the child should be able to spot that behavior and be able to, you know, sort of like nip it in the butt and be proactive um, and, and, and stop it before it can actually take effect. So the candy is a stand in for the grooming that's going on? Um, I guess you could say that um, it's for it's for. Um, I mean, if there's a trusted adult who, and this is different from stranger danger, right? Because I, I uh-huh. saw some people comparing it to that because that's specific, but stranger danger is something else because that's strangers. That's kind of easy to explain to your kids, right? This is a trusted adult specifically. Yes. Um, so it's like, it could be teachers, it could be doctors, it could be counselors. It could even be uh, a relative. It could be a, an aunt or an older cousin. Um, so these are, it's warning children that if there's an adult, a trusted adult or an authority figure who tells you specifically, let's, let's do something and let's cut out your parents and let's not tell yes. your parents and let's keep the secret. That's usually coming from a, a predatory place. It's because they want to, they, they want to target the child for something bad. So, um, you know, it could be. It could be any number of things, um, but I would say, you know, the grooming is is high up there. Um, sure. No, no, but, it, but it's the, you're, you're making an important point. I don't know if you have any children. I know you're, you're a little younger than I am, but I have three children, and it's very scary because there are my children, the, the two who are of speaking age, they're both advanced communicators, and still they i they can't articulate everything that goes on during their day so and it's very nerve-wracking as a parent because they go to school and then 
I don't get a full sense of what they did the whole day. They can't give me a blow by blow of the whole day. And uh, it's nerve wracking because I, I can't watch them the whole day. And uh, you can see how kids could um, uh, get uh, uh, victimized if they're not careful by not just the people in a, in a panel van outside of a park uh, who are trying to sell them candy exactly. or ice cream. It, it could be the, the schools. And that's what you've learned. Yeah. Yeah, and we're seeing, the reason I wrote it is because I kept seeing this trend over the last few years, that it's happening in schools, it's happening at the doctor's office, where these where these adults are really preying on children. Uh-huh. And, and and the interesting thing is the book, it also is for parents, because because it's true, the kid can't won't always be able to articulate exactly their entire day, but if the parent has, it builds that trusting, open line of communication with their child, then hopefully that also could help prevent a bad situation from happening. Uh, Chaya Rachik is the author in the new book from Brave Books, No More Secrets, The Candy Cavern. You can get it at bravebooks.us. Anywhere else uh, that people should be going, libs of TikTok on Twitter, where else should people go to uh, support you, Chaya? Yeah, so my book is available on lottbooks.com. It's also available on Amazon, and I am at libs of TikTok on all social handles. Well, congrats on all the success. Uh, you have just huge levels of support in the Breitbart audience and in my audience. And um, we can't thank you enough for all the great work you're doing. So I, I hope you're feeling encouraged by it. And everyone should support her by buying the book and uh, checking out all of her social pages. Thank you so much. My pleasure. We'll take a break. Be right back. That is today's show. Uh, I'll be back to kind of the two shows a week mode. So uh, you'll have another show in a few days and we'll give you a couple next week. But I appreciate all of you sticking with me, checking out this show, past shows. You can go to the SXM app if you want to get the full three-hour broadcast. That is available to you as well if you subscribe. So that is, I don't get anything out of it other than that I know that you get the extra content. That's whatever you want. So I appreciate that. And we'll talk to you next week. Oh, yeah. And uh, thanks to Zach Jones and Robert Marlowe, who helps me put the show together. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening.